Chapter 30 of Heroes of the Middle Ages. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Heroes of the Middle Ages by Eva March Tappan. Chapter 30 Marco Polo Visits the Great Khan of China. In the days of Marco Polo, Venice was one of the richest and most powerful cities in Europe, and nowhere else, perhaps, could one see so many magnificent palaces and churches. Venice had shrewd merchants, daring sailors, and many ships, and it was chiefly through the enormous trade which she had built up with the East that she had grown so wealthy. Among the most enterprising of the Venetian merchants were the father and uncle of Marco Polo, Indeed, when Marco was a little boy, he used to hear stories of his father and his uncle that must have seemed to him almost like fairy tales. They went away from Venice to make a voyage to Constantinople, the little boy's friends said, and in Constantinople they bought a great quantity of rich jewelry. We think they must have gone into the unknown countries of Asia to trade, perhaps even to China, where the great Khan lives. When the boy was about fourteen, his father came home, and then he had stories to tell indeed. He had gone far into Asia, had sold the jewelry brought from Constantinople, had been at the court of the great Kublai Khan, ruler of China, and now he and his brother had come back to Italy with a message from the Khan to the Pope. He showed the boy the Khan's golden tablets, which he had given to the brothers. The royal cipher was engraved upon them and a command that wherever in the Khan's domain the brothers might go, his subjects should receive them with honor, and should provide them with whatever they needed. The brothers were going back to China, and now the boy was happy, for his father promised that he might go with them. Then they made the long, leisurely journey from Venice to Constantinople, and across Asia to China. They traveled through fertile valleys and sandy deserts, over stony mountains and through gloomy passes. They saw strange birds and fruits and peoples. They visited handsome cities and lonely tribes that had no settled homes. It was a slow journey. In one place the sickness of the young Marco delayed them for many months. Sometimes they had to wait for company before they could venture through dangerous countries. Once they had to go far out of their way to avoid passing through a region where two tribes were waging war. At length, they came within forty miles of the home of the great Kublai Khan, ruler of China. Here they were met by a large escort sent out by the Khan, and were brought into the city with every mark of honor that could be shown them. The Khan took a strong liking to the young Marco, and gave him a position in the royal household. The young man put on the Chinese dress, adopted the Chinese manners and customs, and learned the four languages that were most used in the country. The Khan was delighted with him, and often gave him a golden tablet, and sent him off on a journey, so that on his return he could describe to him the wonderful things that he had seen. Marco's father and uncle were also given positions in the Khan's service, and by his generosity they soon became exceedingly wealthy. China was not home, however, even after they had lived in that country for many years, 
and they longed to see their own Venice. They begged the Khan to allow them to return. But why? he asked. It is a dangerous journey. You might lose your lives. Do you want money or jewels? I will give you twice as much as you now have. But I care for you too much to let you go away from me. Without the Khan's tablets, the journey would be impossible, and the Polos began to fear they would never see their home again. Some months before this, the ruler of Persia had sent an embassy to beg that a granddaughter of the great Khan might become his wife. The princess and her suit set off for Persia, but the way lay through a country that was at war, and they had to return. The Persian ambassadors, however, had been away from Persia three years, and they did not dare to remain longer at the Chinese court. Just then Marco Polo arrived from a voyage to some of the islands of the coast. The idea occurred to the ambassadors that they might take ship and go by water to the Persian Gulf at less expense and with greater safety than by the overland way. They talked with the Polos and found that they would be only too glad to go with them. Then they begged the Khan to allow the three Venetians who were experienced sailors, to escort them. The Khan was not pleased, but he finally yielded. He gave the Polos his golden tablets, loaded them down with presents of jewelry, and they and the ambassadors and the fair young princess sailed away with a fleet of fourteen vessels, furnished with stores and provisions for two years. It was twenty-one months before they came to Persia. The Polos rested a year in the leisurely fashion of those days, then returned, not to China, but to Venice, having been absent twenty-four years. At Venice there had been rumors long before that the famous travelers were dead. They were, of course, greatly changed, and they spoke Italian rather stiffly and queerly. It was hard to believe that these foreign-looking men, in their long, rough tartar coats, could be the members of the wealthy family of Polo. They had some trouble in getting possession of their own palace, and even after they had succeeded, many thought they were impostors. The story is told that to convince these doubting friends, they invited them to a magnificent banquet. After the feast, the coarse, threadbare coats were brought in and quickly ripped open. There rolled out such a store of rubies and emeralds and diamonds and sapphires, as the bewildered guests had never seen. The whole room blazed and sparkled with them. For the sake of safety on the dangerous journey, the Polos had brought their immense wealth in this form. Then the guests were convinced that the three men were not impostors, and they were treated with the utmost respect. War broke out between Venice and Genoa, and Marco Polo was put in command of a warship. He was taken prisoner by the Genoese, and it was while he was in prison that he dictated to a gentleman of Genoa, the stories of his travels. All Genoa became interested, and their famous prisoner was soon set free. Copies of his book in manuscript went everywhere. Some doubted its truth, and when the author was on his deathbed, they begged him to take back the parts of it that they thought must be exaggerated. There is no exaggeration in the book, he declared. On the contrary, I have not told half the amazing things that I saw with my own eyes. End of the chapter 30